One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Spider-Man could swing into stores this September, a former GTA boss is taking us everywhere, and the GameCube remakes continue to dominate 2023. This is VGC, a video game podcast with me, Jordan Midler, Chris Gillian, and Kinda Funny's Blessing Adioye Jr. How are we doing, folks? How is it Blessing coming to us live from the Hurricane Dome? Yeah, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I don't know what time zone <laughs> it is over there, but uh, over here it's very rainy. It's very rainy. Yeah. Um, I spent like the day that I was at uh, kind of funny studios, the sun was splitting the sky. It was like the nicest weather ever. Describe to us the, the carnage that is facing the San Francisco residents at the moment. You know how like Marvel, the uh, in the Marvel universe, they'll have those villains that will eat the planets, right? And like they'll yeah. eat the universe or whatever. That's what San Francisco <laughs> feels like right now, where just yesterday I was hanging out in the Kind of Funny studio. And in the Kind of Funny studio in the office area, we have like a garage door. Because it's, like it's, yeah. it's sort of like a warehouse turned into a studio. <laughs> and so like we have a big garage door. We have two front doors. And the wind was causing some of the loudest noise right like where the where the the door the, the door is making all this noise and then i look down uh and i see that water is peering in through the cracks of the doors because the wind is, is like Fantastic. the wind is blowing so directly toward our entrances that <laughs> yeah like the water is making its way in i'm like oh this is not good because this is an office full of computers and full of technology um but yeah as soon as i did that or as soon as i saw that i was like well i'm on my way out anyway so this is somebody else's problem <laughs> this is not my problem i gotta go to gdc and on my way to gdc on the highway i was just telling you guys before the podcast that there was a big rig tr- uh, truck that fell over because the wind was so strong that the yeah. truck basically acted as like a sail caught all the wind and and then fell over <laughs> on the highway, which caused major traffic. And so, and like, there's also been trees that have been falling down in the San Francisco area. There's um, videos of windows, like glass be uh, falling from like bi- um tall story yeah. buildings because the wind is blowing out the glass out of windows it's insane right now in san francisco <laughs> um and so if you're here for gdc welcome <laughs> like this is the, the san francisco uh, yeah, it's one of the rare uh, days similar over in edinburgh scotland is better than the weather in san francisco so i'll i'll take it um but yeah pretty pretty mild outside uh, no snow no rain no blizzards <laughs> But we've got a big show to be getting on with. In the second half, we'll chat about Resident Evil 4 Remake, my trip to Germany to play the Lord of the Rings Golem, and Chris's mission to Edinburgh to hear about one of the most exciting projects in a long time. But first, the headlines. Story number one, PlayStation Spider-Man 2 will release in September, Venom Actor claims. Will one of you finally give me what I desire? PlayStation Spider-Man's sequel is currently aiming for to release in September, according to an actor on his social media. Tony Todd, who plays Venom in the Insomniac-developed sequel, seemingly broke protocol on Tuesday by telling a fan that Spider-Man 2's release month looks like September. <laughs> this is the same window that a publishing source had recently told VGC to expect the game. Quote, Looks like September, massive publicity coming in August, commercials start dropping in August, so I'm told. Hold on to your dot 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 and hold breath. Now, <clears throat> Tony Todd, not one that is probably au fait with the way that games are very secretive compared to movies, but bless, what do you think? Do you think this is real? Do you think this is placeholder? Where are we going with Spider-Man 2? I mean, the thing with video games is that everything has the potential to push, right? And so even yep. if this is 100% real at this moment, there is always the case that PlayStation could change their minds because guess what? Right now, Starfield is slated for September, and I'll think that... That would be a very big factor in terms of where this game lands. Of course, it's not in a way of, oh, we're PlayStation, we're scared of Starfield. But it is in the way of, hey, if there's a big game coming out in September and there's no big game coming out in, let's say, October or November, yeah. what if we just shifted that? Because we've not announced the, the release date. People do not have that expectation. Um, so in terms of if this is real, I believe it's real, right? VGC talking about your sources, um, echoing the same thing. And then, you know, Todd here working on the game, right? And like maybe not having the, the insight of, 
oh, video games are very secretive, right? You talk about um, him coming from Hollywood, and we look toward TV, we look toward movies, and it is so open in terms of, yeah. we know that the Last of mm-hmm. Us Part 2, or Last of Us Season 2 HBO show is being worked on. We have, uh, there's interviews with Neil Druckmann and Craig Mazin talking about some of their ideas for it. Um, there is a lot more freedom in talking about the ongoings of video, of um, TV and movies versus video games. And, uh, and of course, TV and movies in, in development move a lot faster than video games, so I think there's a little bit more of hey we're a bit more confident on in how things are going to land versus video games which can take years and years and years and years um and so yeah i totally believe that uh todd here is is having a slip up and not realizing that these are things you're not supposed to say on the video game side of the industry and so i i totally believe this is the case and i think it's very interesting in terms of how it might shape the fall yeah definitely chris what do you think angry phone calls from insomniac yes i would imagine so uh, bless his nail that i think i think tony's fucked up a bit um but but again uh, like i say that that's just that, that's just the the movie industry working differently from the games industry um I, I would think if one of them was to shift either starfield or um spider-man it's going to be spider-man because uh, as bless says we don't know uh that spider-man hasn't been given an official release date yet so it's a lot easier for sony to just nudge that back a wee bit um and 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 kind of not have to have that head to head because um, the worst case scenario for Sony would be to release in the same month as Starfield and for Starfield to end up getting better scores and Metacritic and, and the likes. Yeah, it's just not a, not good optics, um, as the kid as the kids say. Um, <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, exactly. yeah. As 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 the venture capitalists say, as you say, like the <laughs> the. The public knock that Microsoft would take having to once again delay Starfield would be like embarrassing for them. Whereas Sony with Insomniac, as I've said a few times, I bet that game's basically finished and ready to go because Insomniac knows how to put out PlayStation 5 games. They could easily move this to October. It all depends on what else Sony has planned for the rest of the year, which you have to assume is something more than just Spider-Man, but perhaps not. Um, The question becomes... If, if this is the case that it ends up Starfield versus Spider-Man, what do you think is the game that dominates the conversation in the way that God of War dominated it in November Blessing? That's a really interesting question because both of these games, I think, are doing such different things in terms of how they're serving their audience, where Spider-Man is such a known quantity. We've had multiple Spider-Man games since 2018. Um, Insomniac is a well-oiled machine. They, We know what to expect from Spider-Man. I think Sony knows what to expect in terms of how Spider-Man is going to perform in sales. I think in terms of sales potential, uh, Spider-Man... I would probably put over Starfield, even though I don't like over time, let's let's say five years from now, 10 years from now. I wonder how that pans out, because when you're talking about Bethesda, you're talking about them probably releasing a port of Starfield to the next Xbox console. Right. And supporting that game for years to come, as opposed to on the PlayStation side with Insomniac. I'm sure we're going to get another Spider-Man in, in the Wolverine game within the next five years, right after Spider-Man Two comes out. And so, like, yeah, in terms of long-term sales, I think that might be a more a, a different conversation. But immediately, in terms of fastest-selling PlayStation game, fastest-selling console exclusive, I think Spider-Man has that locked. I think PlayStation, as they should be, is very confident in how Spider-Man is going to perform. But in terms of conversation, in terms of critical reception, that then shifts into Bethesda being but that's uh, not having a game come out in such a long time, right? And of course, we look to yeah. Fallout 76. Fallout 76, I ignore because that is such a different thing and that's such a different take on what uh, Bethesda, what a Bethesda game is. Yeah. Fallout 4 came out in 2015. And before that, you had Skyrim in 2011. And before that, you had Fallout 3. And these are such big gaps between these games. And when you look at Fallout, let's say Fallout 3 and Skyrim especially, their games have such a big splash and such a big um, um, reception and conversation around them because they are these landmark releases, because they are these games that you're putting hours and hours and hours into. I'm going to play Spider-Man 2. I'm probably going to platinum Spider-Man 2. And I'll probably do that within 30 hours. And that'll be probably within a week because I'm yeah. going to play the heck out of that game. Whereas Starfield, I see myself taking time with Starfield. I see myself playing Starfield over the course of a month or, or two months, right? In the same way that I played Elden Ring for a long time for 100 hours. I could see myself maybe putting that amount of time into, into Starfield because it is more that type of game. Um, if these games were to come out at the exact same time, it's tough. I think they'll both get 
the the maximum amount of conversation, right? Because they're both such big releases. Of course, they'd eat into each other somewhat, but I don't know how significant it would be. I think it would it would suit both games better to not come out around the same time because why not maximize that as much as possible, right? Why not get away from the other big dog? But if they both come out at the same time, I think because they're both such big releases, mm-hmm. like both of the their publishers' biggest releases yeah. of the year, I think that like. I think they'll both get the, ma- the 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 max amount of conversation that that they could at that point. Yeah, and Chris, a similar question to you, but ideologically, you have to think Starfield, this massive game, hundreds of hours. Yeah. It's ten pounds a month if you want to get it on Game Pass. Spider Man Two, this big budget <laughs> kind of tentpole Sony ass Sony game, seventy pounds if you want to play it for thirty hours. So, how do you think that element of the conversation will dictate kind of public opinion when it comes out? Um. I mean, I, I I don't think the Game Pass uh, situation is going to affect Spider-Man too much because obviously it's two, you're talking to different audiences there, and although there's obviously going to be some crossover of people owning both an Xbox and a, and a, and a PS5, I don't think they're going to um, kind of mer- they're, they're going to affect each other too much. I think they'll, they'll they'll kind of be their own standalone things, and their sales will kind of be individual um, situations to monitor. For me, the 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 thing that might shape public opinion is how stable Starfield is at launch because yeah. um, you know what Bethesda's like with its open world games and when you've got games with such scale as that it, it, it's it's it, the likelihood of there being bugs and, and stuff like that is greater and you know what social media is like all it takes is a couple of people falling through the floor or something and then suddenly Starfield's broken Starfield's the, and, and then you know that kind of yeah it's exactly. So uh, uh, as long as Starfield is stable enough at launch, um, I think both games have the potential to do like crazy numbers. Yeah, I'm. I'm really. I'm excited for Spider-Man in the sense that I feel like I'm going to get it and I'm going to enjoy it. I kind of know what it's going to be. I'm interested for them to start talking about how it's different, how it's a PS5 only game. Are we Are we going into the boroughs of New York as well as Manhattan? How is that going to change? Whereas Starfield is much more of a... I feel like the car, the conversation around Starfield could last weeks, mainly because that's how long it'll take people to find all of the mm. stuff. When it's like, have you seen this incredible side quest in Starfield that you only get if you go to this far-reaching corner of the world? Whereas Spider-Man is potentially more of a couple of weekends, it's the biggest thing in the world, then the next big um, end-of-the-year release happens, and, the, and that all progresses. If you could play one of them tomorrow... What would it be bless oh that's such a that's such a tough question because it comes back to um what you're talking about in terms of spider-man being a known quantity i know that's going to be good i have confidence in that game i know what to expect from spider-man i do have those questions yeah of what is the ps5 experience going to be versus something that is cross-platform or something that came out for the ps4 and then also how are you going to make it different from previous spider-mans or are you going to make it different from pre- previous spider-mans am i playing as both miles and peter like what are those elements what's the story going to be but I, I think my answer would be Starfield, just because I've been waiting longer for a Bethesda game. You know, I skipped Fallout 76 because that was not my bag. Um, I, yeah. I did play a little bit of Fallout 76, but I just didn't enjoy it as much. Um, and so I'm more I'm more hungry for a Bethesda game. And then also I I am also I'm also hungry for a big Western RPG that really yeah. goes all the way in terms of vastness of the world and um, all the dialogue options and min maxima character and all that stuff. The big the big dogs in the Western RPG side of things have been faltering a lot lately. You know, you look at Cyberpunk mm-hmm. and that was supposed to be um, CD Projekt Red's next big uh, big game that came out that flopped upon launch right it's been coming back and i enjoyed cyberpunk for what it was but yeah that wasn't the next big thing the way i was expecting it to be you look at bioware and what uh they did with anthem and also what they did with mass effect andromeda and i feel like we've not gotten a big huge scope uh western rpg that is that is all the way rpg like we've gotten the horizons of the world and the assassin's creed odysseys if you want to count those but I'm looking for like a game where stats mean the most in terms of my actions, right? Where like <laughs> I I feel like I can go in any direction and really just uh, um, uh, experience all these different unique quests 
those are so few and far between, especially of that scope. And I really want Starfield to hit, and I'm still curious on how Starfield hits. And so I think my answer would be Starfield, just because I'm more thirsty about it, and also I'm just way more curious about it. Yeah, the the main kind of Western RPG that has really hit for me in the past couple of years was the Outer Worlds, and that is very Bethesda Game Studios Fallout style RPG. And when they just released that Spacer's Choice version, I almost dived back into it. But then I thought, you know what? I'm going to save this. I'm going to save this desire and pour that all into Starfield. Um, Chris, are you bothered about either of these? I'm not sure if you're uh, if you're hyped on either. I'll, I'll play that. The problem is, I, I, as an old man, um, I say like forty in a couple of weeks. Um, I just don't have time anymore for massive. Open. I, I will play. I'll get stuff. Well, to get, I've got Game Pass. I'll play Starfield, and will likely take a year to get through it because of how little yeah. time I'll be able to dedicate it. Dedicate to it. Um, I'll also get Spider Man, but I've I've been sitting on Spider Man and Miles Morales and never had the chance to play them yet because you know what this gig's like. You buy you, if if you're not reviewing these games, like I bought Spider Man, uh, PS Five Spider Man and Miles Morales at launch. Um, and just the way this job goes is that some, something gets in the way, gets in the way, gets in the way, they have stuff to review and so they're both still on my backlog like years later <laughs> so I, I would need to play those before I get on to Spider-Man 2 but although I may make an exception for Tony Todd because he's a legend. <laughs> if he's not been replaced by Insomniac. If he's not been sacked. Um, <laughs> speaking of games that you should play quickly because they might be gone forever, story number two, EA has announced that it will delist Miner's Edge. Anything having to do with Gabriel Kruger, we need to stay miles away from. I thought that this would be a... Uh, no, you didn't think, Faith. You never do. Heading on, it's not going to delist Miner's Edge. <laughs> DICE announced plans the other day to delist Miner's Edge as well as several Battlefield games before quickly removing references to the former. Quote, as we close in on 15 years since the release of Battlefield 1943, Bad Company 1 and 2 and Mirror's Edge, we are announcing that their journey is coming to an end. The games will be removed from digital storefronts on April 28th and the online services for the title will be closed on December 8th. Now, this uh, evoked a reaction from Twitter quite substantially because you may, you may be listening to that and think, you know what, old Battlefield games very multiplayer focused that's fine M- mirror's edge that game that is mostly single wait did mirror's edge have a multiplayer component um ea have walked this back blessing how did you react to this news and what the hell is going on i was so upset mainly for mirror's edge uh the battlefield games i know there are so many people that are fans of yeah bad company bad company 2 and uh the battlefield franchise i am a i'm a big fan of mirror's edge uh and so when i saw that they were de- delisting it i got upset because i and it's funny because i own mirror's edge and, and so yeah. i'm sure i wouldn't lose access on my ex box but um i don't have a physical copy and so it's the thing where I, I go into panic where i'm like well is this the starting points of me then not being able to download this game and me not being able to play mirror's yeah. edge anymore because funny enough mirror's edge is a game that i play on any new platform i get right when i got nice. my xbox one first thing i did was was download mirror's edge and play it when i got my xbox series x i downloaded mirror's edge and i played uh, yep. mirror's edge because that's like it's like my benchmark game i know how mirror's <laughs> edge is supposed to play i know how the game runs i can tell the differences from platform to platform of what the changes are based on just playing mirror's edge um and i just i just i just love that game i think that game is for me it's a personal classic i would probably say it's a more of a cult classic within the community and it's a game that is, that is so fun and so unique and just has a very specific energy to it and it's a game that i i that i think you can go back to and uh, and enjoy whenever and i hate the idea that you can delist something like that and not give any any other options to to play it because there's not a mirror's edge remaster available there's not a uh mirror's edge remake i would fucking love a mirror's edge yeah like how cool would that be dead space i suppose the only argument is fire up mirror's edge right now and it still looks amazing like it still looks yep you really don't need to because it has such a strong art style but in the wake of this like yeah but yeah, like if you're going to do this, then give me a remaster, give me a remake, give me a modern version of Mirror's Edge. It's not Mirror's Edge Catalyst. Uh, I didn't hate Mirror's Edge Catalyst. I just didn't love it. Yeah. I, that, game was, that game was very fine. It was very like, oh, it was okay. Um, but yeah, like don't, uh, I, I feel like you have to give the option um, in some other way to, to access the game. Otherwise, it is such a bummer for video game preservation and the idea of carrying things um, forward. And it's such a thing that is a battle right now in video games. How do we keep access to all these old video 
video games. Nintendo is finding their own answers in providing us with Nintendo Switch Online. And it's like, man, none of these are clean solutions mm-hmm. in ways that make me feel comfortable about where my digital games are, how, how my digital games are going to be accessible 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Um, so that's where, that's where I was with it. Yeah. And Chris, as someone who has documented entire catalogs of several consoles and handhelds, what do you think about this whole delisting games, the death of preservation stuff? It's grim. And, and, and I mean, in some ways it's already too late for some. You look at all the iOS games and Android games that no longer work with modern uh, handsets and aren't um, available anymore. Like We've already lost potentially tens of thousands of games um, and it's just something that's only going to continue. I mean, it, it, it might... It, and I don't want to get too much into the kind of... The, underground side of things but also there's, there's a way to kind of still preserve these things mm, on the engage yeah, wink wink on, oh, yeah yeah exactly um but it, it shouldn't have to come to that it, there, there should always be ways to access these games um long be beyond uh, their years but um it feels like a losing battle now and especially with digital only titles like mirror's edge is okay to an extent because oh, obviously it's been walked back now but even if it had um been kind of slated to to get pulled at least there is the physical disc version that, that people would be able to get hold of if they desperately needed it but you look at the wii u and 3ds eShop shutting down next week um and we put an analysis on the site there's like hundreds of games that are digital only that are just going to instantly disappear as of next week um without having to resort to underhanded means to to get a hold of them yeah it's i'm so glad they walked us back and the the, the fact that they came out and said we had no plans they had a bit yeah, they had like a, a thing in the blog like eulogizing mirror's edge this was clearly in the plans and yeah, then yeah. they were like no this is actually a, probably a terrible idea and um, mirror's <laughs> edge is a as i have a my mirror's edge story is right i'll take you back to 2008 christmas 2008 um i am 13 or 14 or something like that that's depressing <laughs> i think ble- blessing what age are you i am 28 oh you bunch of young pricks <laughs> yeah so in 2000, 2008 i was yeah 14 2008 i was working <laughs> oh my god i was at the official nintendo magazine 2008 <laughs> so I, I i knew i was getting mirror's edge for my christmas it was one of the games i was asked for and i got it early for some reason put it in my 360 360 instantly red ringed and i'm like <sighs> devastated wow. by this like in tears absolutely because my entire christmas was built around the 360 tons mm. of games like and that was the whole thing just devastated explained it to my mum who like bundled up the 360 like marched down to game and brayhead r.i.p <laughs> and basically just shouted them into submission until <laughs> they like swapped it for like a working one because we'd only got it recently and I feel like if she hadn't been so utterly unbearable there, they would have just been like, fucking send it to Microsoft, like get your, your red ring coffin and send it back. But because she um, evoked her mum's strength, that's why Mirror's Edge is always so important Love to that. me. It's that's like, awesome. sorted me out there. Like, yeah, Mirror's Edge, what a game. I think yeah. I like Catalyst more than most, mainly because it's like, oh, this is more Mirror's Edge and it has an amazing Churches song, but that first Mirror's Edge is just... It's so good. Mm, yeah. It's like, a, as you say, when, when the Xbox Series X came in for review, none of the new games were ready, but you could download backwards compatible stuff. And I also downloaded yep. Murder's Edge and Skate, <laughs> and I was like, this is great. It's like the 360 again. <laughs> <laughs> it's a shame for those Battlefield games. I don't understand taking... Deal, take off the online servers, whatever, but taking them down from sale, it's just, what's the point? Like, if people want to play the single-player portions of these games, like... EA makes enough money, like put out a new promo pack and Ultimate Team, and that will pay for a million years. That's what I was going to say. I'd be interested to see what the costs were for to to maintain these online servers. And understandably, they're they're probably not getting their money's worth out of them because there's hardly any people playing these old games. But there are still some people playing them. And um, each game, most games have their kind of small communities of even if it's like forty or fifty people, they all know each other. And to to this day, my mum. can still occasionally play Doctor Mario on WiiWare online, nice, and and still and still finds people to play against. Um, so the, 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 these games always have small communities. So every time one of these games dies, even if it's an old game, there's still a small group of people who are missing out. And I've got to wonder what the costs are, and like you say, how much money EA makes, whether it's worth just in terms of goodwill, just keeping them up. Yeah. Uh, and finally, before we head into the second half of the show, some sad news. Lance Reddick, the actor behind Destiny's Zavala, has died. Uh, Reddick, who was also known for his roles in Horizon Forbidden West and Quantum Break, 
passed away at the age of 60, according to TMZ. Um, he was also known for The Wire and John Wick, uh, which he appears in the most recent John Wick film. There's been a huge response from the gaming world. Obviously, players who knowing, know him from Destiny have kind of travelled to his in-game location in Destiny and are sort of uh, kneeling and in, in vigil for that. But um, yeah, this was an absolute shock. Uh, just briefly, Blessing, how did this hit you? Yeah, no, it was, I mean, I was uh, at the kind of funny studio when the when I saw that this happened and, you know, I'm I'm out of a meeting with Roger. We're sitting down eating lunch and I like open up Twitter and it was tweets from an hour ago that were, yeah, Lance Reddick had passed away. And it, it felt like somebody like had like like pushed me like I like yeah. I got I got pushed back a little bit in my seat and I was like, whoa. And Roger's like, oh, yeah, you just saw. And I'm like, dude, that's wild. Um, but yeah, like I we were I was talking about this with uh, Greg and Janet on PSLW, the fact that Lance reddick is such a unique such a unique force in the roles that he plays where you know i associate silence from horizon with lance reddick you know we had the conversation of all right what do they do from here how do they go do they memorialize them all that stuff like a lot of the stuff that doesn't matter honestly at at the end of the day but you know one of the things that was brought up was the just the fact that he is so unique in how he portrays those characters and it's gonna anybody who might have to come in to fill his shoes is gonna have such a tough job because Lance Reddick is so Lance Reddick and I think he puts he, he put his all into uh, the characters that he plays and so yeah this is so unfortunate and I do love seeing that um, the Destiny community and other communities are coming together to um, memorialize him and, and honor his legacy. Very well said. Um, extremely sad news and our thoughts go out to his family. We'll be back after the break with Resident Evil Four, Gollum, and everywhere. 
I've of course booted up RE4 before and seeing like the shot to shot comparisons and seeing like, oh man, this is the same village. This looks fantastic. Oh man, <laughs> this is this character. Wow. Like look at how they revamped and redid it in in the in this version. Like I think that's why you see it getting tens and fives everywhere, mm-hmm. right? Where it is people that are able to see all those changes they made and go, wow, this is really speaking to my childhood or this is really speaking to how much I love the original version. I think that is the thing that Capcom has nailed with um, the new Resident Evil remakes. And it's a thing that you got to commend them on. It's the thing that's so impressive. Yeah, I think so- for me, my, my, my four out of five definitely comes from, uh, again, me being new and me like, not, me not having things like the story be something that I'm nostalgic for, right? And so I'm experiencing it as is in 2023, and I'm like, okay, yeah, the story's cool, but also it's not like it's kind of wacky and it's yeah. kind of anime-ish, <laughs> and like I think I prefer elements of RE2 story uh, uh, more. But yeah, it's it's a if you are somebody who's into Resident Evil, I cannot recommend it enough as the next one to to, to pick up. Yeah, so um, Andy reviewed it for us. Um, he was fretting all week and um, talking to because i also played through it because i'm working on guides and this was the first time i'd played through resident evil 4 as well and he was messaging me all week being like this is so good it's so similar to the original i don't is is, it, is this still good in 2023 like trying to get perspective on it but he went for a five and i think he's right enough um just from a gameplay perspective i think it's fantastic as you say with the story i could have happily skipped the cutscenes the first time around like they're almost entirely pointless um although i think it's i think it's a good laugh that they made the the little uh, the little demon child um look so much like margaret thatcher in this remake that was a really good um yeah that was such an interesting change yeah (laughs) it's like if you didn't know that that previous character was in it and you saw them side by side you'd be like is that is that meant to be that one but um yeah it's a it's a tremendous game as you say hugely recommend watching the the kind of funny review for Brittany's perspective and checking out her review she is the resident resident evil expert as it were um chris as a as a nintendo fan i think of resident evil 4 as a nintendo game i don't care that it came out on other platforms that's a gamecube ass gamecube game are you are you going to go into this yeah i'm definitely going to get it um i obviously didn't review this one because andy took it but um i've been really excited by i mean the last time I'm, I'm, it's one of those games for me where the last time I played through it start to finish was on the GameCube um, way back was it 2004-ish that it came out? 2005 I think it 2005, came out 2005 okay so I would have been 22 when it came out um, I was 10 and, and you would have both been yeah fetuses <laughs> um, it's a bit, um, but yeah it, it so I played it all the way through then, absolutely loved it. And every time that's been re-released, I've bought it and played four or five hours and then had to get distracted. So like I bought it on Wii with the kind of motion aiming, which was excellent. Uh, bought the HD versions that came out. I even bought the, the VR version, which I haven't touched yet. The, the Oculus... <laughs> the, the, oh, sorry, the... the, the Meta the Quest. Meta Quest, sorry. Stay on brand, please. Yeah, sorry, sorry. I've shown my age. Um, and, but yes, but this is the one that I'm, I'm finally going to you know, start to finish again. Um, because it's it's been too long since I've actually seen the credits of Resident Evil 4, so <laughs> yeah. um, I might as um, well do it again. I'm going through it now for my third time. I went through it I went through it in one day in my second journey because I had the fully upgraded guns and it was just like, you fly through that game see once the once the infected are no problem, you go absolutely flying. And I don't know about you, Bless, but I thought village section, excellent. Castle section, excellent. When we get to the island, I was kind of like how long we're we going to be here because i feel like we've had some the pacing is like pretty good so far but that felt like a strange kind of lull before the actual finale yeah i i i, I could see that i did like that like toward the the island i like that they're introducing different types of enemies in in the different areas and so there were a couple enemies in the, in that last island area where i was like oh i was not expecting to see something like you here yeah. and i'm like oh, okay well this is interesting but um yeah i'm, I'm kind of there with you that I I would have liked it to be a bit a bit more concise. Um, I don't know what the average playthrough length of original RE4 is, but I feel like this might have even been better served if it cut down to like thirteen hours, fourteen yeah. hours. I feel like by the time I get to eighteen and a half, I'm like, okay, this is uh, I, this is going. And I'm also seeing a lot of this. I started seeing a lot of the same kinds of enemies mm. uh, toward the, the the like the final hours of the game, which of course, like, what are you gonna do, right? Like at some point, you just gotta like you know the the you see you, you understand what's going on in the story you understand why you're seeing the enemies but yeah the last time i'm like shooting another bug i'm like all right there's a lot of these guys like I've, I've murdered a lot of these things but i will say though i do appreciate the guns uh in the game a lot like that's something that i usually 
don't pick up on as much like i'm not really i'm not a gun person even though i'm american um <laughs> and, and i i that, those, those don't stick out to me but in this game going through upgrading the weapons seeing like the different types of shotguns and the different types of pistols i know that's been a thing in resident evil and in resident evil 4 in particular but i feel like they the 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 way they handle differently the um the depth that can go into in terms of upgrading each of them individually i i appreciated that because i did feel like i was um creating my own play style through the weapons and through the upgrades uh and it felt very personalized in that way and so yeah that was something i, I noticed that i wasn't expecting to, to stand out to me as much yeah that that stuff's great especially and you you highlight it and can you tell that i was listening to your review in the car earlier today because it's all it's all it's all fresh <laughs> in my mind um you have uh the briefcase which is obviously iconic in resident evil 4 in terms of like moving about your inventory but you can also assign charms to your briefcase which will affect how much ammo certain um certain crafting things yield and things like that so you can go full handguns i'm going to take out the knees and then run up and stab them in the neck with a knife and do that over and over or you can go full terminator like i did just go shotguns over and over again get up close and personal Um, and that actually i would say if you finished it go back for round two and just mess around with the extra guns there's an amazing gun that unlocks on the second playthrough that i i've still not i've still not bought yet because it's extremely expensive but i'm looking forward to that um yeah it's a it's a game that's so good that i hope resident evil 9 is a third person behind the back game in this style and not another first person game what do you think of that bless i'd be down for it it's, it's I, I like both is the thing I, yeah. I like the the first person ones and i do like the the third person ones i i might prefer third person but it's what i think i i think you gotta do whatever suits the type of horror that you're that you're tackling and so playing re7 i that game was so scary to me. yeah i loved how scary <laughs> that game was that game was frightening i think part of that was because it was first person um re4 i didn't find as scary no. i and i think part of that is how actiony it is i think part of that is how wacky it gets and how like you know it gets a bit anime in some places there are cutscenes that invoke metal gear solid a bit and i'm like okay this is <laughs> this is fun but i'm not as scared playing this game um i i think if if the next resident evil if resident evil 9 is going for more of the all right let's let's tone it back let's do survival horror you are getting you're getting so minimal ammo the like we're not going for the wacky vibe i think i might prefer first person but if you're doing another one like this right or if you're doing another one that is hey let's do something character driven let's tell a fun story let's um you know get very actiony then yeah i think third person is the way to go i think that might be the balance are you into the first person games chris the more recent resident evils um not so much but i think that's because i'm like old school resi so for me resi's always been kind of third person even even be that with static camera <laughs> angles or like when when <laughs> when resi oh co veronica then resi 4 went kind of uh th- over the shoulder but um that's not to say i hated um seven and eight like, I, I still really enjoyed them it's just two very different uh, vibes and uh, mm. kind of the, old, the older kind of third person's my my vibe it's funny how resident evil's done everything yeah. you know I've, i forgot about yeah they did the static cameras in the first um uh, the, the first games and they've gone from that to behind the back and that was like the innovative thing and then they went first person it's almost i feel like maybe for resident evil 9 they got to create a new perspective or like side scrolling like, like vampire survivors but it's just really on kennedy spinning around shooting a gun like oh my so god like that that old xbox indie game i made a game with zombies in it that but it's resident evil um so i actually I, I i didn't really like resident evil 8 i gave that one of the lower scores and i think it was just it was a combination of the first two areas in resident evil 8 fantastic pure horror really really scary then towards the end when it starts getting a bit like action game here's fucking chris redfield like falling from the sky and it becomes like a first person shooter i was like fuck this i i, I don't like this part of resident evil um so yeah but as you say bless you couldn't do a super creepy psychological horror in this third person because you just see too much like you have yeah. too much awareness so you can't really be snuck up on as much um now next we have a an embargo buster because i was uh, hauled away to germany a few weeks ago to play the lord of the rings golem which if you remember is 
a new game from Daedalic um, under the Middle Earth Enterprises, whichever corporation owns the rights <laughs> to JR Tolkien's entire works now. Um, it might be in- Amazon now or Embracer. Yeah, Embra- I don't Embracer know and then Embracer <laughs> gave it to Amazon. I gave like publishing rights to Something Amazon like that, yeah. for the games. Yeah. Who knows? Every, every email I get about this game has 15 logos at the end of it being like, this is probably of <laughs> da 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 da. Um, so yeah, you may remember this game. It's an interesting one. Uh, as soon as we sat down to play the game, they were like, this is not a stealth game, okay? I don't care what you've heard, this is not a stealth game. Um, so it's a stealth game, basically, um, because, um, because Gollum is not a fighter. So or a lover. The levels, he's not a lover either. He loves fishes and he loves having a really fucking annoying voice. But um, the levels we played saw Gollum kind of escaping from... Um, like a, a prison essentially he's taken he's taken by the elves and he's escaping so you're you're sneaking underwater and you're climbing up things and it's all very do you remember the playstation 2 hobbit game that was just called the hobbit it wasn't based yeah vaguely it wasn't based on any like i mean it was based on the hobbit but it wasn't based <laughs> on the lord the Miramax films yeah. or, of the time yeah it, it feels does. like that in the sense that it is it's pretty dated so you're you're doing auto you're doing instant fail sneaking sections you're doing very choreographed um parkour sections i came up to this wall and there were scratches on one side of the wall and the person the lovely person who was giving me the demo said you can run and jump on that wall and i was like yeah i <laughs> i know i can because this is like you think the horizon games are bad for painting everything yellow that you can climb on this was like next level um it's basically mirror's edge but Gollum. <laughs> it might as well golem's have been edge. Ne- golem's edge yeah it might as well have been um, neon red like the that the gameplay element of it i wasn't sold on it's set between the hobbit and the lord of the rings so it was like a 90 year period or something like that and it's they're kind of focusing on areas of the lore that haven't been fleshed out in Gollum's story. All that stuff seemed like pretty cool and interesting if you are super into Lord of the Rings. Like, you know, oh, this is flung me of the fluff of the fling and the fluff. And I'm, oh, I, I know that guy. Whereas from my perspective, I've seen all the films. I read the books like a million years ago. It was all a bit lost on me. Um, so I don't know how this game is going. Oh, we can actually, I can actually say now it's coming out in May. What I played felt like a game that should be coming out in May 2024. So okay. I'm interested to see how this hits. What do you think about... I mean, did you remember this Gollum game existed, Blessing? I, I have no thoughts on it. I, I remember... <laughs> I, I, I know this Gollum game as the first next-gen game to be announced. That's I don't remember that. Right. That's, that's so good knowledge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and like that, and that's all I know this game for. Um, I remember seeing it announced back back then and being like, "Oh, cool! Like P- PS5 games are getting announced now. That's really cool." <laughs> and then it just keep on it, it getting delayed, uh, just like seemingly constantly. Like every yeah. time I peek into this game, I'm like, "Oh, it's not out yet. All right, cool." And then come back, I'm like, "Oh, really? It's not out? All right, cool." Um, but that's all I know about it. I have zero expectations. I'm like, I'm I'm just like, when is the next Shadow of Mordor coming out? That's really all I care about. <laughs> well, this is, this is the thing. Like also. The idea that this was the first next-gen game, from what I've played, there is absolutely nothing about this game that is even the remotest bit next-gen. Like, it's, wow. it seems incredibly, incredibly dated. This feels like an early PS4, late PS3 era game, almost. Um, so yeah, It sounds it was, like a launch title game that somehow just made it way outside of the launch window. It's it's like a movie tie-in for a movie that doesn't exist. Like, it, is that, mm. it feels like that level. Not quality, but, say, expectations in terms of the complexity of mechanics. That's kind of where you're at. There, there's a vague, like, you'll be given a, a choice, and it's like, do you want to make the choice as Smeagol or as Gollum? And then they start talking to each other. And if you have no patience for the Gollum voice, just don't play this game. Impossible. <laughs> It'd be absolutely impossible to play it. But that element's like it's kind of interesting because it's like we're we're showing that Gollum's a character of shades of grey, and it's like <laughs> okay. I mean, I don't really believe you. Like, I, I I don't believe that this is happening. You know, it's like I know this is set in Middle Earth. This is a fantasy game, but none of this happened. This isn't realistic. There's these characters do nothing for me. So yeah, it was the one highlight. I, I sat down and spoke to the lore expert on this game. And this man was like, 
whatever the Wikipedia equivalent for Lord of the Rings is, this was like a sentient version of this. Because this guy just knew everything about Lord of the Rings. I would give him a slight question. I would be like, so uh, were you keen to fill in elements of Gollum's backstory that we hadn't really heard about? He would go on for 45 minutes with the most in-depth answer ever. And I was like, okay, I am confident that from like a lore and story perspective, this will tick all the boxes. Mm. The gameplay really fell down from me. So shiny, yes, so beautiful. From a game that feels very dated to a game that sounds like, from what you've told me, isn't physically possible. Chris, tell me about Everywhere. Oh, okay, right. So <laughs> good start. You're like, oh Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple of weeks ago, I visited Build a Rocket Boy, which is the new studio uh, from uh, owned by or run by Leslie Benzies. Um, mm. For those listening who aren't aware, he was one of the head honchos at Rockstar. He produced GTA Three, and Vice City, San Andreas Four, just and a five. couple of Basically games. Basically, all all the 3D <laughs> GTA games he produced. Um, and then they had a big falling out and legal battles and such. And then he. Basically Basically said, "Well, fuck you! I'm going to make my own studio, which he has now done." Um, and so the first game is Everywhere, which has like been five or six years in development, um, and we finally got to see it um, a couple of weeks ago. And by the time you hear this, it should have just announced all the details. Um, otherwise, we are in trouble. Um, <laughs> so, um, so basically, they, they, we, we spent a whole day at the studio and got to kind of see what it's about. The, the very basic description would be: it, it looks a bit like Fortnite, but um, has serious kind of. Was it Roblox makes it sound too basic? But like, uh, there's a there's a very a very in depth uh, designer level designer mm-hmm. and creation suite in there, um, and the whole game is set in this open world. There's a bit in the middle in the middle called Utropia, which is a kind of city. It looks like a kind of like the Citadel from Mass Effect is a kind of futuristic uh-huh. thing, and then round that is all these biomes. And they didn't talk much about the biomes, but there's like a a grass world and a canyon world and fire and shit like that. All they said about the biomes for now is that they'll be updated regularly with, with missions and stuff and it's like okay fair enough um, but inside the main bit that that was they had four separate sections that they showed us and as they showed us each section I was getting more and more like surprised at what was being shown here because the first thing they said before they, they sat us all down and said this has no NFTs in it they said like before <laughs> anyone says anything because you know that was a big story they hired someone um, to, to research NFTs and stuff and everyone was going oh here we go but they yeah. said no zero NFTs this is they have no they said later on we don't need them it's, it's, we'll have zero NFTs in it so is, is, is there no Web3 implementation nothing, it sounds like nothing whatsoever like they, 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 wow. they brought up a slideshow at the start and the first slide was no Web3, no blockchain, no NFT, and they just basically wow. said... We'd, we'd, uh, that completely changes my whole thought. 100%. Because when they first revealed the game, that's what it seemed like. I'm like, oh, what is this NFT Web3 blockchain? 100%, because before before we went, there was, a few, there was a group of us, a group of press waiting to go in, and we were all saying, this is going to be really awkward if they start going on about NFTs and stuff, because we don't give a shit. And, and as soon as they said that, you could hear the whole room just going... <sighs> But this is everyone. Thank God. So yeah, no, none of that. It's, it's all. It's total kind of um, all all in in the game itself. So they. I'm looking at my notes here. So they, they had four districts. There's a combat district and the racing district are the two main ones, and the combat stuff is like your typical third person uh, action game. So it plays a bit like Fortnite kind of stuff, but players can create their own stages. Um, and they showed user created stage stages that their QA team had made, and they're pretty complex. One of them is in like a kind of box and plant and you had to go around and press switches to raise the water level while shooting down enemies and stuff and at the end this big octopus boss came down and attacked him and then they showed how you can break that entire stage down and how the octopus has its own AI that you can set and you can build every element of the stage you can set all the enemies set all their AI and then once you've created a stage you can take something as small as just one building or one block and save that or you can save the entire stage and save them as these creations called ARCs ARC um, mm. and then upload them to a store where people can then download and work on them so it's essentially a massive third person action game creation suite 
Um, and then they've got uh, the driving, the racing zone, which is the same, but with racing uh, tracks and stuff, so you can build your own tracks as well. Um, but the bit that properly blew my mind and it took everyone by surprise, and I'm curious to see Blessing's face when I say this, because I don't know if he's briefed on this yet, but um, they took us to this bit uh, called the entertainment zone, or the enter- let me take the notes. We take you to the entertainment zone. They took us to the entertainment district and went, okay, what's going on here? And then there's like a there's a door that said like DJs, so presumably they're going to have like DJs doing sets or whatever. And there's a, a, a wait, a, in, is this in the game or in, in, real life? in the game? In the game, okay. <laughs> no, sorry, <laughs> I like I lost, sorry, I lost narrative a little bit. I was like, wait a second, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this doesn't sound like a video no, game no, anymore. Yeah, yeah. So in, in this kind of utopia, utopia about sorry, in the middle, there's a bit called the entertainment district, and you go in there, mm. and there's a DJ thing which they didn't show us. So I think someone will be playing music in that at some point. There's a um, museum bit with a good show um, artwork from concept art and stuff, and it looks really nice. But then there's a bit that just said, I think it's just, I think it was just called the games room, and I was like, okay. So they went into the games room, and there was like a cinema screen there, and they sat down, and it's, suddenly they started showing us a trailer for a completely different game. And I don't know if you remember the, the, the Everywhere teaser that they showed before. Um, right at the very end, there was a two-second shot of like a guy in a, a sort of caravan thing which blew up, and everyone was like, what the fuck is that? But they showed a trailer of a game starring this guy, and it looks like a futuristic Grand Theft Auto, like a proper photorealistic open-world like action game. And at the end, it said, uh, Mind's Eye exclusively and Everywhere. And we were all just like, what oh my the God. fuck is this? <laughs> and they basically said, yeah, we're making like our own games and putting them in everywhere. And by what, by how they were describing it, this is a episodic thing, which is going to be part of it. And the first part will be a single player open world type thing. And then the second part will be like a multiplayer only module to it. And every time you get one of these chapters, all the assets can then be used in the main mode. So you can create your own things with those assets, apparently. And we were just like, "What in the fuck is going on?" Here? So I, I went. So I went from going into it, going, "This is going to be a disaster because they're going to go on about NFTs and everything," to coming out going, "If they do this properly, this could be enormous. This mm. has the potential." Wow. So, so I'm curious to see how they announce it tomorrow because as we record this on Wednesday, um, tomorrow is when the embargo lifts, and I've got looking like, at everything written up. But I, they've said nothing. I don't know how they're going to announce all this because it's so much to announce. Yeah, as I said to you when you talked to me about it last week, Chris, this feels like an E3 announcement. Yeah. Like that bit specifically at the end when they're like a new open world game from one of the producers of GTA fucking yeah. 5. And it, like, looks, and it looks, I mean, I, it wasn't a very long trailer. It was like a 30 second, 45 second thing. But what I saw of the gameplay looks like a GTA set in a kind of more future, not not proper cyberpunk, but in a kind of yeah. almost like a Watch Dogs Legion type mm. kind of. Mm. Is this possible? Do you think this is going to, like, what? what is the quality of these games going to be? On on the Dreams kind of scale, or, or is it going to be, like, I don't small? know. I, I, in terms of the limitations, I think, um, it looks at the moment, like, the, the, the way we were talking to them, it looks like it's going to be mainly third-person action games and racing games, those stages. But we say to them, can... We asked Benzies, like, like can, can anyone potentially make any game here and he says yeah in theory like it just it, they would just need to think outside the box a bit it's kind of like when nintendo released that weird game maker toolkit thing uh, oh, whatever was, yeah um, but then they released the, the software only the one the games maker garage oh, yeah the garage yeah, that. yeah um and people somehow managed to twist that to make kind of really weird first person shooters and stuff it's that yeah. kind of idea where people clever people who are clever about it can make really kind of weird stuff but they showed how deep like the the, the octopus like they, they, they showed us the octopus and broke it down and there's uh, to the put it in the creation suite and there's so much code attached to each tentacle and everything so people who know their shit will be able to make ridiculous things with this and then other people will be able to download it and place it in their own games so the only thing that remains to be seen is monetization how they're going to make money off this because that's my main concern just now is mm. where i mean presumably they're going to charge for mind's eye um, each episode of that, you would think they're going to make money there. I don't know what's going to happen in terms of microtransactions, whether they're going to sell premium livery or or, or, or whatever. Um, I mean, if you think of the way that... See the way that the community took GTA Online, and I know bless you, a big GTA Online fan, 
Remember when they initially put in all the tools for making races? Mm. And they probably oh, expected yeah. people to make, like, oh, here's a cool, like, street race that goes a bit into the mountains. Flash forward a week and you're in the sky and you're, like, you're jumping over buildings and you're doing, like, backflips with bicycles yeah, and stuff are, like that. Yeah, people are with that stuff. The one I always look to is there's a mode in there that's called Last Man Standing, where it is, like, basically, like battle royale but like team based and so it is you're taking out each person at a time and so like whatever has everybody left on their team wins yeah they user uh, for the user creative ones people made crazy versions of that where it was all right cars versus snipers and so you would have people that are like on a platform high in the air with sniper rifles and then people on the ground with cars and then ramps that will then launch the cars onto the the platforms and like if you're a sniper you would have to like take out the drivers in the cars and if you're in the cars you would have to knock the people off the platforms like you get that level of creativity when you just give people a few a few tools to go crazy with and so if you're if you're doing the roblox route right or like i play dreams as well on playstation Mm -hmm. sometimes i appear into dreams and i'm like yo people are making some wild things in here people are making some really creative games in here the only problem is like what are what what is the what does the end product look like right are the is it going to take people 5 years to make their creative masterpiece in in every everywhere or and when they do it right is it still going to be like a okay but this isn't a real game right like i think that's sort of the battle to get around um i think roblox has sort of figured that out and i don't know anything about roblox so i don't know how (laughs) they did it but roblox is another one where i see like there are so many kids that 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 play roblox and um it seems like it is a platform unto itself Mm -hmm. um that is able to sustain different types of games and activities so I imagine that that's what everywhere is going for. But yeah, for me, what you described, Chris, it sounds pretty wild. It yeah. sounds very ambitious. Yeah. I, like, like I say, I, I came out of it going, okay, if this, if this is, if this does what, it, what it promises to do, this is going to be a massive deal. Um, it's just waiting for the, to see how the execution is because, um, like they, they, they got a dev in to, to make a stage while they were talking to us during one presentation and within like, obviously this guy's experienced in it, but within like 40 minutes he'd made a proper full stage with enemies and stuff in it and it's like, okay, so once you know what you're doing, you can, you might be able to make some pretty interesting stuff and so we'll see. Um, so far, I'm excited, um, and like I say, by the time people listen to this, they'll have seen more of it, and hopefully, um, if it's announced well, then they'll be sharing my excitement. Yeah, you do get the worry that they'll announce it in a way that puts people off, and then finally, when people read the previews, they're like, no, this is what it actually is, because yeah. it's, a, it's a difficult one to explain. Just before we go, last week we asked who you would cast in video game adaptations, and Thomas Quilfeld... Uh, reached out with Returnal starring Gwendolyn Christie. I mean, that's that's like the most obvious pick yeah. in the world. That that feels like she was modelled on Gwendolyn Christie. Yeah. Um, Metroid with uh, Felicity Jones. I could see that. Although a Metroid a Metroid game would be hilarious because it'd just be like, oh, they've made this big action game, and then the Wokarati have made it so that it's a woman starring in it. <laughs> but doesn't 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 Brie Larson want to do? Uh, Samus isn't she that said all this time that she's she's dead and she can fi- she can physically like roll into a ball not a lot of people know that but that's um one of I, I've re- seen her do it yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's pretty <laughs> impressive um control with Jessica Chastain I take uh, umbrage with this because if control is going to get a film just use Courtney Hope the actress that is already starring in it cause she's fantastic um for next week I would like to know what multiplayer game delisting would break your heart blessing give me your answer chris i'm coming to you next knockout city (laughs) (laughs) another ea banger (laughs) man (laughs) they're they're just out there with a fucking gun like there we go yeah they're like all right line up blessings dreams let's take them out one by one it's because i've not bought enough fifa points this year they keep having to close games chris see i don't play much multiplayer because i hate people so um Mm. probably uh, for, for my mum's sake I'll say Dr Mario on the Wii <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, that would break her heart and, and doing so would break my heart let me let me give you a movie suggestion really quickly because mm-hmm. I was thinking about this earlier if they made a Mass Effect movie right mm-hmm. starring any male of choice I'd say Affleck because I'm, I'm a big Affleck stan as I believe the kids have seen it if you want um, but also starring Jennifer Lawrence and what they do is they shoot each scene with both actors and then you go <laughs> to the movies and see your male ship or your femme ship whichever one you want and it's the same movie but with two different actors 
oh yeah sounds cheap sounds really realistic for for hollywood they shoot it 50 times depending on what no, companions well, they could you shoot it once and the put missions. them on put them on blue screen and just put them over yeah. each one AI just do it. That's all we need. Fuck I, I love the battle that'll that'll cause on the internet of oh who performed who performed better who has yeah. the, better, the better Mass Effect movie. It's like one of those one of those actors are getting their feelings hurt. Absolutely. Send us your responses for what multiplayer game delisting would break your heart to podcast at videogameschronicle.com. That's podcast at videogameschronicle.com. Blessing. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been a blast. I love, I mean, I, obviously I love reading VGC. You guys are probably my number one go-to news source. And so I'm very, I'm very honored to be on the show. We appreciate that. We we always check uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily to make sure we're there. And if we're not, uh, some serious words happen in our Slack. <laughs> Hell yeah. Like, yeah, yeah we, we why have we, we not need, made it? We need to up our game if we're not on it. <laughs> Where can people find you, Blessing? Yeah, of course. I make a lot of video games content over on youtube.com slash kind of funny games. Over there, we have our daily video game news show, kind of funny games daily. Um, but if you want to follow me over on Twitter, um, I'm at. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Blessing Jr. And then I, I do some Twitch streaming every now and then, twitch.tv slash Blessing Jr. That is Blessing Jr excellent uh, we need to get back on fifa blessings it's been too long Dude, say the, I, I i spent all of sunday playing fifa i have it's weird i, I it's waves for me where i will go a full two days just losing match after match after match <laughs> after match like i had like nine losses in, in a row um last week and i took a break and i came back with better energy and i had like eight wins in a row and i'm like what is going on there's, in def- FIFA? there's definitely Why? something there's something funny going on in the back end in fifa because that happens to me <laughs> a lot as well because yeah yeah, you, you, you'll go through a whole night losing every time and going, what is going wrong? What is happening? And then, yeah, you'll come back to the next day and suddenly you're unbeatable. And it's like some, yeah, suddenly you're God. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's weird. Well, um, I, I keep telling you this, the kind of funny FIFA Games Press Invitational, get it going. As we say, it's, it's bullshit that FIFA doesn't have like a spectator cam to make that possible. Like that mm. would just be... Hey, FIFA is lacking so many online options, which is making this press invitational so difficult to try and figure out. <laughs> yeah. But we'll, we'll get there. I'm, I'm going to figure out something. Yeah. Until then, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Jordan Midler, Chris at Scully1888. And as Blessing says, Blessing at Blessing J. Say goodbye, Chris. Goodbye, Chris. Say goodbye, Blessing. Goodbye, Blessing. It's goodbye from me. Next week, I'm off on a super secret mission, so you'll be stuck with Andy, Chris, and a very special guest. But until then, see you later. VGC, a video games podcast, is a stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network.